Hello, and welcome to the Yuma Sun Sports Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 26th. We'd like to pretend we waited five months to return to the pod, you know, because of the release of the AI rankings. You know, we were really, uh, had a lot of foresight in, in waiting until now, but we'd be lying if we said that. But hey, we're back. My name is Warner Strasbaugh. I'm a sports reporter for the Yuma Sun. Joining me in the newsroom is sports editor Grady Garrett. Grady, how's it going? Good to be back. Better late than never, right? Yep. Yeah. We uh, try to get on a semi-regular schedule from now on on the podcast, but uh, I guess I guess I can't make promises, seeing as how our last uh, last podcast run went in the spring. But football football always brings it out. There's always a lot to discuss. So we're gonna get right to it. Uh, one thing we're gonna do this year is we want to do some kind of regular segments that we'll do every week that you guys can familiarize yourselves with for those listeners. So the first thing is uh, the thought of the day, which is basically just, you know, a week passed, a Friday night of football passed, um, and in this case, five months passed. Um, <laughs> but we, we want to just each bring a thought to the table, you know, something we've been thinking about in, in terms of Yuma sports. So Grady, I will let you go first. Well, obviously we have a football focus today because there's so much to catch up with on football. Um, and... Like you said, this is going to be a little different because we kind of had five. It's more like thought of the past five weeks more so <laughs> yes, than yeah. just today. But uh, one thing we talked about heading into the season, and I think we really thought after about the first three weeks of the season, that there was potentially going to be a lot of parity in town with the football teams. Um, Kofa, we thought, was going to be way better this year than they've been in past years, even last year when they went 5-5. Five and five. Um, Cibola, we had a ton of question marks about and they were not good the first three weeks of the season. Uh, Gila Ridge had a new coach. We had some, there was some optimism there. And Yuma High, I mean, we we thought they could potentially contend like they did a couple of years ago, three years ago. Um, basically, my thought, based on what we've seen the past two weeks, is that it appears that we're going back to status quo. Um, and in that, I mean, it looks like it's kind of as far as the local public schools go it's kind of Cibola and then everybody else because I think right now I would definitely say and you would probably agree with me that Gila Ridge was the biggest threat to Cibola and Cibola already passed that test yeah. fairly with flying co- colors so I think we thought that we might get a bunch of games like last week's Yuma High Kofa game where local schools go at it and it comes down to the fourth quarter and as of right now I'm potentially a little bit worried that that might be the only close one we see because it seems like it it's kind of Cibola on top and then drop off to Gila Ridge at number two and then maybe a drop off to the number three schools but who yeah. knows we'll see yeah and I mean it's interesting now with with the way these these conferences or the regions are aligned and the human teams aren't together you know I was thinking as you were talking about that I was thinking about it and it's like we've already seen almost all these matchups now yeah so what's have. left is just the two region matchups Cibola Kofa Yuma Gila Ridge um, and Yuma Yuma Cibola is left also oh Yuma Cibola yeah. right right so we've we've had three out of six right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah no I I completely agree I mean yeah Cibola what was their third game do you remember that you went to well, they, the, I went to their second game, which was Imperial. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was it was. And bad. their third game was at Southwest, right. I believe. Yeah, yeah. And that was also bad. So the first three games, they got outscored 100-something to 
21, I want to say. Yeah. So it was 160-something to 21. So yeah. it was ugly those first three weeks. But yeah. then, we, they, then they had the big win over Gila Ridge in week four. And right. And I would argue last week, which we'll get into, was probably their biggest win so far this year. Yeah. No, that was both. I mean, we, we got a little bit more perspective when the, the rankings came out today and we saw where Alhambra is. But besides that, <laughs> I, I do think we were both a little surprised that they were that easily – yeah. able to dispatch of Alhambra. Yeah, well, we came up with our thoughts independently, but they pretty much play play into each other. Um, my thought is just in general that football is down this year. And, you know, one thing that the last two years we've had a lot of fun with um, and obviously kind of tease <laughs> in general about is just the Cibola-Yuma Catholic debate. Um, in the last two years, I feel like it's, it would be really close you know, Cibola kind of had two very different teams the last two years, uh, not including this year. I mean, 2015 and 2016. 2015, incredibly defensive-oriented, uh, just really tough defense. You know, we thought that would be a fun matchup going against, uh, you know, Stetson Stallworth and Brandon Hunter and that even Catholic. Last year, kind of the opposite. Cibola had just this incredible offense, um, and even Catholic had a really amazing defense. This year, I feel like Ewan Catholic is just a step above. And, and what's crazy about that, going into your your thought, is if Seville is the dominant team, but yet I feel like everyone else has dropped. Um, so that's just kind of interesting that it's still status quo, but just everyone has gone down, in my opinion. Yeah, that is – that I would say that's – and I think the Imperial the imperial scores that we match yeah, up, that, that, really, that really shows it. I mean – just even before Yuma Catholic played Imperial, I think we both would have thought that just kind of in past years, Cibola's always played Imperial tough, and then they just got absolutely routed week two. Yeah. And then the very next week, Yuma Catholic came out mm-hmm. and beat Imperial. So I just think that kind of kind of shows the disparity kind of between those top two teams in yeah. town. But I do um, agree that it is a bit down this year. And, yeah. Um, and so I just I had some uh, some records from last year versus this year. I think last year we were kind of especially spoiled because of Kofa. Um, you know, Kofa got off to a really good start. So anyway, at this point last year, the four public school this is not including Yuma Catholic, the four public school teams were eleven and eleven overall and seven and eight against non local teams, so eliminating, you know, the, the inner city matchups. Um, and really kind of if you agree, you have the numbers in front of you if you look, mm-hmm. Healeridge and Yuma High are a one win better right now. So, like, this year they are. So, really, it comes down to Sabol and Kofa. Sabol and Kofa are combined 4-7 and seven this year. Last year, at this point, they were combined 9-3. and three. Um, So, that's a pretty stark difference. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I think, I think the last few years we got kind of spoiled. You know, your first year, you had that great Gila Ridge team that had good games against Sabola. You know, mm-hmm. And Yuma High was good that yeah. year, too. And then Lake Havasu was thrown in the mix. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, you know, we just had that really, just two really fun Cibola teams the last two years, and mm-hmm. Kofa last year. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's that's my thought. I think football is kind of down right now. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into Friday's games. So the first one and the biggest one, and certainly a strange one, was uh, Grady. You were at the Kofa Yuma High game. Kofa won twelve to six. So let's uh, let's hear about that one. Yeah. Well, was not the prettiest game, um, as we kind of said. Might be, might be a down year for for schools, and uh, we kind of saw that. I mean, there were seven combined turnovers between the teams. 
Kofa had negative 17 yards of total offense in the first half. Um, I think anybody in town would say that should probably not happen in a Yuma Kofa game. Um, and, you know, there were just a lot of mistakes, punt snaps overheads. Um, I mean, just a lot of a lot of mistakes. So it was not the prettiest game. But the flip side of teams maybe being down is that it's set up for a fantastic finish because with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, it was 6-6, six, six, yeah. which when the score is 6-6 six, six and you've had seven combined turnovers, that kind of tells you what kind of game it was. But it set up for, like I said, a fantastic finish. And it, it was a great finish. And, uh, you know, Kofa, as I'm sure most, most listeners know by now because the game was very well publicized, won on a uh, very impressive Gabriel Castaneda to Ariel Beal, 24-yard touchdown connection. Um, it was an incredibly good play. In a game that did not have very many great individual plays, that one definitely stood out. And Honestly, when we look back on this season, I would be surprised if there's another play that tops it, in my opinion, that I saw because, you know, it, was, it started as a, a play – a design pass to the left and Castaneda looked left. There was nothing there. He rolled out towards the right sideline, ended up going all the way to the sideline. And Ariel Beal started on the left side of the field, went with Castaneda all the way across to the right side, and he just kind of checked it up. And there's a Yuma High defender right there. The Yuma High defender did a great job of sticking with Beal across the field. And Beal just out jumped him for the ball and caught it right, right by the pylon and was able to get a foot down and bound somehow. And it was a very impressive play. And that's ultimately, you just basically, if you're Kofa, you erase that entire game except for that play. Make that, make that game highlight reel one play, and that's how you remember the game. And it'll go down go down in the long history of Yuma Kofa impressive finishes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I was just, you know, those games are always so bizarre sometimes when it's just complete chaos. <laughs> And that's what it sounded like it was. But, I mean, even for you, uh, you know, who are, you're an objective you know, person in this, like, if you look back on that game, that's probably all you'll remember too, right? Yeah, no. That, and you'll remember that, that wasn't a the, good game for most of it. but Yeah, no, that'll definitely be the thing that thing that remembers. You know, I like to envision that 40 years from now, if you misunderstood on the state, maybe the on the <laughs> state would be this aerial beal, aerial beal catch. Oh, that'd be great. You know, we don't we don't do live reads for ads, but I'll do a, I'll do a house ad right now. Get the print paper and check out on this date. It's on the bottom of the sidebar. I don't even want to ask Grady how many hours he spent researching that, but uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal. I always get a kick out of that. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of people from Yuma have been around. A lot of people played football back in the day for Yuma Higher Kofa and just all these things. I'm sure there'd be so much nostalgia that. We you know we enjoy these ourselves and we yeah, moved just here in 2015 yeah. <laughs> or 2014 for you. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, check that out in the print paper every day uh, at the bottom of the sidebar. Anyway, next game, Yuma Catholic 37, Northwest Christian 14. Um, so I, I covered this game. This is obviously the big rivalry for for these two schools, and probably I would say one of the biggest rivalries of any small school just in the whole state. Um, yeah, there probably, always some seems to be stuff on the line when they play just because they're so it's two really good programs. Yeah, and these are teams that have played each other, I think, five times in the playoffs over the last nine years. Um, and, you know, really, yeah, just as far as the small school rivalries, maybe like the White Mountain, Shola, like those schools that are all pretty isolated. But other than that, um, but yeah, this was... 
not totally surprising that Human Catholic won because, you know, Northwest Christian, had, they played American Leadership, which is the defending 3A state champs. But they got beat pretty badly. Um, and, you know, some of their scores weren't great, so I kind of was thinking maybe this would be a little bit of a down, down year for Northwest Christian. But, I mean, Human Catholic just obliterated them. It was, it was nuts. I mean, Northwest Christian had like 75 yards in the first half by my count. Uh, and it was at zero points. It was 27 to nothing at halftime. And Human Catholic, or maybe it was 30 to nothing. Either way. Um, but yeah, and uh, we'll get to this guy a little bit later, but J.R. Henderson just continues to dominate every year, or every game, excuse me. And uh, yeah, fourth play of the game, they just leave him one on one, and he burns the corner and goes 75 yards for touchdown. He got a punt return touchdown. Anyway, we'll get to him. So, not not totally shocked, but this this was a comprehensive win for for Human Catholic, which they really haven't had against a, a top team because they beat River Valley badly. But River Valley is having a really rough stretch for their program. All right, Cibola uh, twenty eight, Alhambra zero. That was the surprise of the week, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was that was impressive. I mean, Alhambra. We've learned they're last in 6A in the rankings that came out today. Um, they were winless, I believe, but you know that was that that was a really good game a year ago because yeah. Alhambra had a really good offense. They had a really good running back who obviously was a senior last year, was not back this year, um, and so it's it's tough to judge it without really knowing you know what all Alhambra looks like this year. Um, that was a road game, so we obviously were not able to see it, but. Nonetheless, anytime you can beat a fellow 6A team, 28 nothing, especially with the struggles that Cibola has endured this season, they've obviously got something going on the right track. And I think a big, even just from a mental standpoint, to be able to do that, to, for the defense to get a shutout, which the defense struggled a lot this season, and the other part is they did it running the ball, it seemed like, just based off their stats, yeah. I think. Senior Jesse Escott had 101 yards and three touchdowns mm-hmm. rushing, Another which back to back running game had really been non-existent the first three weeks of the season for Sabola. So I think this to start to establish the run, and because uh, we already know they have have at least one playmaker playmaker on the outside. So this, to establish the run and get some confidence defensively, I think is going to be big for them going forward. Yeah, Jesse Escott now 350 yards, five touchdowns uh, so far. So. He's off to a good start as the feature back for Cibola. Yeah, which that was not his role at the beginning of the season, so he's really kind of taking it yeah, over and making his own. Yeah, someone else. Yeah. Uh, okay, Brawley 33, Healer Ridge 11. Uh, we don't know much about this game because we didn't, uh, again, get uh, word back from the coach, Corey Semler. But what we do know is that this game was tied in either late in the third quarter or early in the fourth, 11-11. And then Brawley scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So a little closer than the score indicates. I would say probably the best of Cibola, Yuma High, and Gila Ridge, probably the best performance against Brawley. But still a 22-point loss. And then, uh, yeah, we just wanted to say Chandler Prep beat Antelope 25-13. to And on Saturday, San Pasquale got its first win of the season, so... They uh, took care of Anthem, Anthem Prep. I think it was 60-something, 20-something. 20, so that was their first win. So. Gotcha. All right. Another segment. Well, this isn't going to be a regular segment, but 
since it's been uh, been a while since we've done podcasts, and this is our first one of the football season, we wanted to go over some first half storylines. First thing is, as I alluded to in the beginning, the first AIA rankings did drop today um, for football, anyway. And I mean, a lot, a lot of lower ones, but a lot of weird ones too. I mean, I guess the first one to start with was Human Catholic. They came in at ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both thought that was pretty surprisingly low. Yeah, that 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 is low because as we'll we'll get to later, they have a tough game coming up this week against Castile, and it makes me makes me wonder. I mean, the rankings are so tough to predict. I mean, I I like to consider myself one of the better bracketologists in the state of Arizona, oh, but even I would I think, not. I think you're the premier bracketologist in Arizona. Even I would not attempt to uh, project where a team's going to end up this early in the season. But it does make me wonder. You, they lose the Castile, drop a few spots, and then their final three games are against final four games are against uh, basically the bottom tier of three A. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm, it, I, I think it'll be tough for them to climb back up into the top eight and get a first round home game just based off if they lose this weekend to Castile because obviously the schedule we I don't think they got as much credit for the schedule that they played that we would have guessed. Right, and yeah, we were looking at this earlier. St. Mary's who they played in week one. And beat by three. Uh, that's a four A team. But one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the conference doesn't necessarily matter. It's just the overall number. So St. Mary's is zero and six, and they're very low at four A. So they're you know equivalent to being a mid level team in two A basically based on their ranking. So mm-hmm. that matters. Obviously, Seton Catholic, the team they lost to by one, is number seven in four A. So that bumps them up. Uh, one thing I did want to note is that the conference isn't totally cupcakes other than Castile. Fountain Hills might be good this year. That was the first thing that threw me on Northwest Christian. They only beat them by, like, four in their first game. Mm. And then I just checked, and they are – they're 3-2, and two and they're number 14 right now. Interesting. So that was, that was a lopsided game last year. Yeah, yeah. And it's still, it still very well could be, but mm-hmm. they, they hung with Northwest Christian, so – there, there is a chance we could have a, a third team emerging in the 3A metro region. Um, other rankings, I think Kofo is probably the one that stood out most besides even Catholic. They're yeah. 23 and 63. Which out of the 41 teams, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're 2 and 3. It, it almost makes you wonder where they would be if they had won some of those games that we thought were winnable right. early on. Right. Yeah, yeah, if they beat Central. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is it is bizarre because their only wins are against Trevor Brown and Yuma. So, um, and, and Cibola is Cibola, which is also two and three, like Kofa. They're number twenty seven, and I would think they've played a much tougher schedule. So it's, it, it is really bizarre. Who's who's uh, whose strength of schedule is rated higher? Uh, let me check real quick. So Kofa is one point five one. Cibola is negative zero point zero nine. See, yeah, that's that's weird. Interesting. <laughs> that is very weird. I'm trying to think. Well, do we know how they do the California teams? Do they just eliminate them completely? No, they're not eliminated. At least in past years, you know, it could always have changed. But in past years, it's it it would be it's just way too complicated to even try to explain. But somehow <laughs> the rankings are based off like Max Preps national results. So like eight factors in other states. Okay. It's just we don't know the ranking of those right. California teams. Because with Arizona teams, you can compare. But they are assigned points and okay. stuff. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. It is bizarre, though. Yeah, so maybe Central had a factor there. and may, I mean, Southwest, theoretically, could be bumping both of them up a lot. Yeah, because, I mean, an example, and this is getting a little off-tangent, but just to prove that those Ohio State teams are ranked, like Saguaro in 4A, you know, we've talked about they're number four, and they're four and two with two out-of-state losses. And so, obviously, if those out-of-state losses weren't given credit for playing really good teams, they would probably not be number four. Yeah. So. But on the I, flip side, if they weren't counted, then wouldn't they be considered 4 now? Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't think that's how it is. Yeah. Would, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Healers and Yuma High were pretty low, so I think, I think that's pretty much it for rankings. All right, another topic we want to talk about. Um, we talked about how football was down, but one thing that is pretty great right now is we have two uh, pretty stellar wide receivers going. Uh, they're both juniors. Uh, J.R. Henderson from New Catholic, Gabriel Ramirez from Cibola. So since I'm covering New Catholic, I'll, I'll do the Henderson breakdown, and you can you can take Ramirez since you, you saw his big game. Uh, yeah, J.R. Henderson, he's a small guy. Kind of an interesting story because he he was the backup quarterback to Stetson Stallworth as a freshman and nearly played when Stetson almost got ineligible because of his transfer from Las Vegas. Um we ended up not playing other than, like, garbage time. And then last year, he was James Stover's backup, and Stover got hurt in the first game, and he basically got thrown into the fire as a sophomore. And, I mean, he was very, very undersized for a quarterback, and he, he had a tough go of it. I mean, he's good. He's, he definitely showed off his legs, um, but, you know, he, he wasn't great. So fast forward to this year, Gage Reese is now the quarterback, and their coach, Aaron Cheatwood, moved Henderson to wide receiver. And, yeah, this, this kid is pretty unstoppable right now. Uh, so his season stats, he has 30 catches for 656 yards, five receiving touchdowns, two punt return touchdowns, one kick return touchdown. Um, yeah, and like I said, Northwest Christian tried to cover one one did not work, 75-yard touchdown. They kicked to him. He had a punt return touchdown. And then they double-teamed him later in the game, and he did a – a slant and go route and burn two guys for a touchdown and ended up with 200 or no I think it was like 186 yards on six catches last week uh yeah he's he's been pretty fun to watch and he's he's gonna have he, he already has a great year and so it'll be it'll be fun to see what he does considering he has another year left what do you think about Gabriel Ramirez I, yeah, saw, well, I saw him week one I think I think Henderson was a, a bit of a surprise just because of the stuff you talked about earlier with his quarterback experience, yeah. but we, we, we knew who he was at least. We yeah. knew who he was at yeah. least. Gabriel Ramirez, we did not know who he was before the season, <laughs> and part of that is because he truly is kind of out of nowhere, but also part of that is because, like, yeah, Riso plays it very close to the vest before the season does not like to give away who his playmakers are, but we, uh, we have learned very quickly who uh, Gabriel Ramirez is, and he's it's it's uh it's funny because they had a really good receiver last year, obviously Gabriel Claudio. Yep. And uh, Gabriel Ramirez is maybe not this year doing his Gabriel Claudio impression in full, but by next year maybe he uh, will be putting up the kind of numbers we saw Gabriel Claudio put up last year. But uh, yeah, no, his his real really uh, Gabriel Ramirez's coming out game was the game against Gila Ridge, and he uh, he had. Um, 
I want to say four touchdowns and over 200 yards receiving. Yeah, I think it was 240. Yeah, 240. And he also had a punt return touchdown that got called back. Um, he forced a fumble. He recovered a fumble. He had an interception. He's really just all over the field. And he was doing some of those things. I mean, he he he's a very well-rounded receiver, it appears. He can, he can beat guys deep, and he's got good hands, and he's a good route runner. I mean, there's a few – few touchdowns or one touchdown he got against Healy Ridge that was just a great 10 yard out that just beat the defender off the ball and beat him on his cut and so he appears to be a pretty well-rounded receiver and you know he's he's really given the Cibola up until the Jesse Escott's performance the past couple of weeks you know Gabriel Ramirez was really the one bright spot for not not even necessarily this whole offense but maybe the whole entire Cibola team and uh no he's so yeah his numbers i mean you read off henderson's season numbers gabriel ramirez's season numbers 33 receptions 538 yards five touchdowns so very very, receiving number wise that's fairly fairly similar i mean gabriel has three more receptions henderson has about 100 more yards and they both have five receiving touchdowns so Mm -hmm. pretty similar numbers of course gabriel's played one more game than henderson has but yeah two very very talented receivers which is not not the most common thing in high school usually you know the stars are the quarterbacks and the running yeah. backs but we've especially we've been spoiled with a couple of really good receivers the past few years yeah so. um yeah and it will be fun i know him and ethan arvizo the quarterback and arvizo number three under center for the raiders i know they uh they've known each other since they were little kids so they they've had a good relationship and uh yeah it'll be fun to see them next year too yeah yeah these guys are both coming back so this is probably only only the beginning of what we'll we'll see all right uh let's talk about kofa now we were we i I say we it's more me than you but pretty hyped on kofa last year they got off to a five and one start they ended up five and five but i i would say it was a a good four losses because they had two like single-digit losses to teams that were ranked higher, and then or maybe one was single-digit. I think one was fourteen. Uh, and then they played Cibola tough. They had one game where they got obliterated, but it was it was a good five and five a year, their best year since '08, I believe. And pretty much all the skill guys were coming back, and it just has not worked out. They beat Trevor Brown in week one, and then lost three straight until this Yuma High game when they barely beat the criminals um i don't know i mean what uh what, what are your thoughts on kofa this year you yeah saw it's, them. it's definitely uh i mean it's a surprise that they're not able to do more offensively and, and the version that i saw another obviously big storyline for yuma high was that they were without david castaneda yeah, or kofa their, was. yeah kofa was uh who was obviously their star running back and he really put team on his back in two of the big games last year the Healer Ridge game and the high game it was basically the David Castaneda show um and he was suspended for the high game and obviously missed a portion of the Healer Ridge game the week before that because that's when he got it, kicked it was out. already over by that point okay. but still yeah. yeah um and so Gova's offense was shorthanded when I saw him but yeah I mean just I was surprised with like we said we, they had all their skill guys coming back this year and you just thought their offense would be more more explosive than it's shown and I mean that Cibola game last year 
they really they had Zach Miller at quarterback and he really kind of picked Cibola apart for a half I mean he had the type of game that makes you go you know this kid's going to be a really good quarterback next year and they're going to be able to move the ball with you know because if you have a quarterback that can sling it and obviously we already knew what David Castaneda could do running the ball we thought their offense would be um kind of their strength I mean we knew they had some question marks up front and it's tough for us to judge how big of an effect that's having I mean maybe the offensive line has been a big a big issue but the the playmakers just they didn't they were fairly absent except for that one play in the in the uh, UMI game so yeah it's definitely the surprise of the season for me so far but yeah I have a couple couple things so Castaneda I just just ran the numbers. So last year at this point, and I'm getting rid of the Antelope game in which he had 147 yards and three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Uh, eliminating that because they didn't play Antelope this year. At this point, he had 649 yards and four touchdowns. Right now he has 233 yards and one touchdown. Uh, and that's obviously not including you high because he didn't play in that game. Mm-hmm. But still, 233 yards and four games? Yeah, so that's about 60 a game. Yeah. Last year he was at about 130. Uh, that's a big difference. That could be a line. Uh, another thing, and I don't want to get into hot take territory, but you know the two the two quarterback thing is uh, always a little iffy. And I know they've been rotating them. I don't know. It just because Miller Miller was hurt for the first game and Gabriel Castaneda played, mm-hmm. and they both like been fine. And I don't think either are like hurting the team by any means and they're but. both pretty good athletes that could play other positions because i mean zach miller had a big catch against him high and, yeah you know, they they're it's not like they're two statue quarterbacks and you gotta play them both to get them both on the field you know? yeah so. but yeah i don't know just there's always a weird intangible thing about having the quarterback rotation not knowing who's you know who's gonna start or what drive they're going in and, and i'm sure they they know but i don't know i just it's always a weird vibe sometimes yeah, and I'm sure the the David Castaneda suspension this or last week probably affected the quarterback decision somewhat, just because that affected their entire offense. So I'm sure maybe they did have a plan for the Yuma High game on what they were going to do quarterback wise, and maybe it completely changed when David got hurt. But who knows? Yeah, yeah, we don't know, but <laughs> still half a season for them to figure it out and try to turn things around. So yeah, I'm still the Cibola game, which at which this is point really is the, the game, only that, game matters. that matters. <laughs> Uh, okay, last thing. Uh, this is, oh yeah, uh, Corey Semler, the uh, coach for Healer Ridge. This is his first year. Um, they do already have one more win this year than they did last year, which is an improvement. And it was a big one, Kofa. That yeah. was a big. Yeah, and that was a strange game. They ran the ball 50 times and passed twice. Their quarterback got hurt, and a wide receiver basically got converted to quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my thoughts on this, I think uh, I think similar as we saw with the soccer team, I think he's just really good at sort of rallying players around him and getting kids motivated. I think that's one thing he has. Getting them to buy into the program a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I, th- I think he totally has that working for him. We'll see, you know, the X's and O's part. I don't know how much is divvied off to assistance and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I'd say good, good start so far. Um, and like I said, they played Brawley probably better than any of the other local teams did. So we just wanted to uh, to mention his start. Yeah. So you've been impressed so far. I know you're you're big you being big similar guy in, <laughs> in soccer, and you were you were believing before the season that he could work some sort of the same magic with the football team. Would you call so far the first half of the season a success? I wouldn't say a success. I, I'd say 
it's a mixed bag. Uh, I wasn't at the Cibola game. So the only game I've seen of them was when they beat Kofa. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I know, like, their cornerback, Ryan Hoskins, who was one of their best defensive players, I know he is out. Then their quarterback, Caleb Coda, got hurt. He's out for the season. So, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to sort of evaluate them at this point, I guess. But I, w- I will say they're definitely improved upon last yeah. year because um, they, you know, they have they have the athletes. I think it's just a matter of getting sort of the football side. You know, football is mm-hmm. is a very complicated game, and it's a lot of sophomores playing for them right now. So I don't know. I, I think next year and the year after would really say but I wouldn't be totally surprised if they turn into a really good team I think next year Sibyl and Healer Ridge could be could both be pretty pretty improved yeah alright now our last thing that we're gonna do and you know gambling is only legal in one of the 49 states or is it legal in New Jersey LA I don't know I, I, I don't know if sports gambling is there Maybe not. But high school sports gaming is illegal in all 50 states. Correct. I'll say that. <laughs> so uh, one thing we're going to do, just hypothetically, if there were to be odds makers to set lines on games, this is going to be our way to kind of preview the week ahead. So Grady and I each have set our own lines as if we were odds makers in this theoretical world where you could do that. Try not to take us too seriously. Um, and so, yeah, so we're going to kind of look at each game. I have a number, and basically it's, it's the way a, a point spread would work, where you, know, you say, okay, this team is favored by this many points. So we're going to do that with each game, and then use that as a kind of jumping off point to maybe talk about them a little bit. All right, so let's start with Valley Vista at Cibola. So I guess I'll go first each time. I have Valley Vista as a 20-point favorite. I have them as 15. Whoa, I like it. Uh, what had you down at 15? Well, first of all, their schedule is not very impressive. Um, and when I went in, before I started researching, I thought it would be a lot higher of a number. But, I mean, they their wins are against Willow Canyon, who is a 3-3, three and 5-8 three, team. Uh, Shadow Ridge, who is an 0-5, oh 5-8 five, five, team. And then they beat. I mean, Copper Canyon's a, a decent, okay win against a six eight team, but they're still only a two and three six eight team. They won that by twenty points. I mean, the Willow Canyon game was was fourteen to seven, and like I said, that's a five hundred five eight team. And so, just they haven't really beaten anybody or played anybody close that makes you say, "Oh, this is a legitimate six eight team." It seems, you know, six eight has their legitimate contenders, and then they have the next group, and then they have. Yeah. The schools that Cibola so far has probably been in that next group the last two years. I would the say. last two years they have. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say this year they're probably not, but right. still, I don't think there's, you know, that that uh, I, I I don't think Valley Vista is really a power, and you know, Cibola's got a little bit going for them, and you know, Valley Vista they lost forty-one to three to Skyline, who, um, you know, it's a it's a good six eighteen, definitely one of those higher. 618 and so yeah I just I it's I don't think Valley Vista is is the team that maybe we thought they were last year gotcha yeah yeah I think uh you know history maybe plays a part in this line you know this it's an eight point game last year like we yeah 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 and that was that was a big surprise for us yeah Uh, sounds like both teams are probably down quite a bit from last year right 
Uh, so yeah, my line's probably a little high. All right, I, I think I pegged this as the game that we might be the farthest off on. Kofa at Copper Canyon. I have Copper Canyon as a 13-point favorite. Ooh, we are really far off. Are you I'm way high? 29. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, it was it was a blowout last year. I think it was 28 last year. I think it was more than that. I think that was like a 55 nothing game last year. Oh, well. Either, either way, it was a blowout last year, and I just I think we've all agreed that Kofa is not as good this year as they were last year. So I didn't look at last year's results too much for these, but that's one I pretty much, you know, we don't. I, if you assume Copper Canyon is about the same and Kofa is down from last year, yeah. that's basically what I was going off of. So my my main point of having this lower was Copper Canyon's last two games were against Valley Vista, who we just talked about. They lost by twenty, um, and it's Trevor Brown, who Kofa played in the first. Uh, in the first week, Kofa beat Trevor Brown by 11. Copper Canyon beat them by 29. But the big thing was they allowed 27 points to Trevor Brown, which was really high. So I think if Castaneda is back, if they're a little more motivated, uh, Kofa could actually put up some points this week. So that is true. I did see that as well. But yeah, no, I, I think I think you're winning this game as far as what's better. <laughs> we have no idea. We'll see you Friday. Uh, okay, Healer Ridge at Southwest. Now keep in mind this is just based on you know recent history, and Southwest has beaten the other three local teams by 41 or more points. See, I think we're gonna be reversed on this one. I think it's gonna be similar, but go. Uh, I have Healer Ridge, or uh, I guess I'll do the favorite. I have Southwest as a 38 point favorite. I have Southwest as 27. Oh. So we're, we're kind of far off on this one, too. What makes you think that line would be so, so much Well, Eva Ridge's worst loss this season is only 22 points to Broadway. It just seems like there's been a few games that we've expected them to get blown out. Yeah. And maybe it's Semler's coaching and, like you said, get, getting the players up for it. Yeah. He's been able to keep it close. I mean, I, I don't think – I think we would both agree that he is – Somewhat of a, he's a pretty good. I mean, we'll we'll see about his his overall football resume, but you know he he has a way of getting players to you know believe, even if it's just for half, like the Brawley game. We, mm-hmm. I mean, it was eleven eleven, like you said, late in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you can, I think I feel like in when you're a really big underdog, coaching is just a big thing in that first half, just to find a way to keep it close. Yeah, and then usually in the second half is when the talent kind of takes over and teams will run away. So I can see. Healer Ridge keeping it surprisingly close for a while before. I mean, I think we both think Southwest will pull away, but I think they'll pull away later than than we think. I mean, they're they're a very run-oriented team, and I can see Healer Ridge maybe slowing the game down a little and find, just finding a way to hang around. One factor that I had not thought of that I just thought of now is that Healer Ridge more or less implemented Southwest's offense against Kofa. <laughs> So they know them well. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stop them. Southwest is a very gimmicky option-run offense mm-hmm. that's basically been unstoppable against everyone they played, mm-hmm. uh, even last year. I mean, I think Cibola played them close last year, but other than that, they've won every game by six or more touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I could totally buy into that. I just think, based on what's happened, yeah. I think that line is going to be high. Yeah. All right. Yuma High at Buckeye Union. I have Buckeye as 29-point favorite. 
I'm going to 21, and okay. I don't really have a specific reason for why this is larger. I think it was what? It was a 20. Was that, was that the 28 point game last year that I was thinking of? I, you know, I said one of them was 28 last year. I thought it was Kofa, but it probably was Yuma if it wasn't Kofa. I want to say maybe like 42-14 or something. Yeah, you might be right. Um, yeah, 42-14. Yeah. So I gave, cred- I gave Yuma credit for being better this year than last year. I think they are better. I mean, they're – I mean, they're – that Yuma – I mean, they probably – honestly, they should have beat Kofa on last Friday. They were the better team by far in the first half, and they should have been up 20 nothing at halftime. And if they are – then that Kofa comeback never happens. And they would be 3-2 and two right now. And if Yuma Hyatt's 3-2 and two right now, I think the whole conversation about them changes about how drastically improved they are. That's probably one of our thoughts if they win that game. So I do think Yuma Hyatt's better, and so I knocked a touchdown off of last year's yeah. score and put it at 21. All right. I, I actually have a, a Buckeye Union back, backing up my higher line here. So I don't know much about Tempe, Coronado, or Washington, but I imagine they're not significantly worse than Yuma High. Tempe is where uh, Emmanuel Gant went. That's the really? I know about Tempe. <laughs> uh, so they won those games by 35, 47, and 49 points. One of their losses was against Peoria, who is number four or five in 4A, and they only lost by 14 on the road. So I think, I think Buckeye could be pretty good. They got killed by Sunrise Mountain, but Sunrise is also very high. Yeah. All right, last one. Grady, when you woke up this morning, what would your line on this game have been? Probably. Well, that's that's not a fair thing to ask because I knew I knew about Castile okay. on Friday. Okay. I, I saw the tweets that I saw on Friday. When you woke up Friday morning, if everything else played out the same way and you didn't even, see Twitter, I would have said even. Yeah, I would I would have had you and Cavity as a favorite because they. they I won knew Castile would be better. They won by a lot last year. Yeah, I, I knew Castile would be better just because they'd be a year older. But I would have had it as probably even. Yeah. So this is human Catholic at Castile. Uh, one one just sort of perspective transitive property game here. Yuma Catholic in the state quarterfinals last year lost to Sholo. It was a close game. Sholo ended up losing in the semis, but they're always one of the dominant small school teams like Yuma Catholic is. Castile beat Sholo seventy to seven. <laughs> that was that was eye popping. Um, my line is probably lower than yours because I still just always give Yuma Catholic the benefit of the doubt. Of I saved some points off my line at the last minute, so. All right, I have Castile by four. Ooh, that's really low. You went you went high. Yeah, I have Castile by seventeen. Wow, that's our biggest discrepancy. Yeah, I mean that. I just we gotta give some background on Castile just for people yeah. who don't know. They're a new school. I mean, this is what new their second year. varsity season. Yeah. So last year they two years were, ago, but second year football, yeah. They're in Chandler, the Chandler area, which is like right, which is yeah. the football basically hotbed of Arizona. They're a public school. Or I think they're Queen Creek, but I let me see where that is. Yeah, it's it's Chandler, but Queen Creek is like in the Chandler yeah, region, okay. basically. Yeah. So they're anyways they they are probably a team that or a school that could develop into a legitimate like big school power because they are a big school they're really down in 3A just because it's their early years as a program yeah they're a sophomore and last sophomore year they were only last year they were only sophomores and they were what 8-2 and 9-1 I think they were yeah they were 9-1 yeah they only lost to Catholic yeah. Yeah. yeah and now they're all a year older and I mean I know Yuma Catholic has a lot of returns but I just feel 
and I feel like sophomore to junior is a big jump in high school. I feel like sure. that's probably a bigger jump than junior to senior, yeah. just because sophomore you're just, you're still kind of just like brand new to high school and you're out there on the bar. I mean, it's probably all those kids' first ever varsity season. And I just think Castillo's going to be a lot better this year, and I mean, I, I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if you know if 4A in the past years has always been kind of talked about how Suaro is it's Suaro and everybody else and like. Who's gonna win the state championship is literally a foregone conclusion. It's gonna be yeah. Suaro, and I wouldn't be surprised just off of the stuff that I've read so far and the scores that I've seen if the three A season ends that way. With when they're entering three A state playoffs and it's like, all right, well Castillo's gonna win. Who's gonna get second? You can Catholic, if you're listening, you can use all this for motivation. <laughs> if you win on Friday, I'm you can come at me on Twitter at Gertie Garrett. Just tweet me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, but that's and it. Like I said, this is. Very little to do with you, a Catholic, me thinking this is going to be a somewhat of a blah, and everything with me buying in the Castile is going yeah. to be a legitimate football school in a couple of years, a 6A yeah. type of football school. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it could be just 6A. Yeah. So the, They are probably going to move up next year. Yeah, because their, their enrollment is big, right? It's just or yeah, it's well, going to be it big. Will, yeah, because yeah. it just started with a freshman class. Yeah. So last year it was just sophomores and freshmen, and then now they have juniors. So next yeah. year it will be a full Full school, yeah. Let's see what their enrollment is right now. If I can do that quickly. Yeah, I don't know how accurate those enrollment numbers are be, but yeah. So I, I mean, I originally had the line higher, and I talked myself down. One thing I did see, which just shows, um, talk. I mean, we have no idea about two A teams, but Sholo lost by twenty nine points to Round Valley, who's a two A team. So Sholo oh. might be really down this year too, yeah, and I mean I I, I think Sholo's probably down no matter what just based off seventy to seven because if you're a good football team yeah. you're not going to lose seventy to seven no matter what but so I do think that score might be a little misleading which is why I knocked some points off down seventeenth but that shows how line my high was ori- right how high my line was originally yeah so researching on the computer during a podcast is not the best for listening but what I do have is. The first year when they were just ninth grade, they had 920 students. So that's going to be a 3,000 kid school. Yeah. Them. Yeah. yeah. So that, that'll be a 6A school. Yeah. 6A. In, yeah. In a football hotbed type of area. So. Yeah. My, uh, my main reason here is that I think Human Catholic's been blown out like twice in the last, I don't know how many years. And one was when uh, their quarterback went down and a sophomore who was playing wide receiver had to come in. Yeah, no, it's a valid point. Like I said, mine has yeah. nothing to do with you, McCaffrey. Yeah. No, I, I just, yeah. I, I think, I just give them the benefit of the doubt to keep it close. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, we're setting these lines as if they were being theoretically gambled on. Mm-hmm. Which the the flaw in that logic is we have no one out there who would actually gamble on a line without having seen these teams because it's like, you know, you have no idea. Like, is Castillo that good? I mean, if he's, probably the person who went to show little Castillo would probably bet on Castillo. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll, we'll call it even. We'll put it at Castillo minus 11. <laughs> All right. I think that's good. Uh, yeah, so basically the only game in town is Cibola. San Pascal is home as well. And, uh, yeah, everyone else is on the road, so kind of a down week for us, but that's gonna do it we'll be back next week hopefully (laughs) yeah we'll see we'll see but i i plan on it 
All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you want the podcast, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, yumasun.com, and at yumasunsports on Twitter.